0: The Lord. Lord. (laughs) Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I just want to say to you. If you've just been observing, and you've been kind of wondering, what am I witnessing? You don't have to be an observer. You can know him, and you can know his presence, and his power that wants to flow in and through our lives. And it's simply a matter of surrendering and calling upon him and saying, Lord, one of the most sincere, best prayers I ever heard in my life was a young man, who came to an altar and he said, I don't have a clue about any of this, Lord, but whatever it is, it seems pretty good and I want it. And the Lord honored that prayer. The Lord honored that prayer. Don't know what this is, but it seems pretty good and I want it. (laughs) Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 35. I will do my best to be mindful of the time, but as I have reminded people all through the years, I've seen all kinds of church signs with a beginning time. I've yet to see one with an ending time. So uh, just uh, keep that in mind and show me grace. You got, you got to love me. Jack and I used to say that you don't have to like me, but you got to love me. Got to love me. <laughs> oh my. Isaiah thirty-five. Maybe maybe you're not like me, and that's probably a good thing. But maybe you are like me in at least this one way when what I'm presently facing or going through, when there seems to be a shaking of the way things were or currently are and it begins to cause question or concern of what do we do now, um, when things that you've depended on that worked in the past don't seem to be working presently, Maybe it's temporary. Maybe it's because something broke. Uh, that uh, that that vehicle that you always depended on—that every time you turn the key, it always started. Uh, that computer, that phone, whatever it is, you always turned it on. That app always opened. It never—you know—now it's glitchy or it won't. It doesn't work anymore. It rattles us. When stuff like that happens, it, it may be momentary, but it rattles us. To, to, and I think most of us have this: "What now? What do I? If this, if if what has worked day after day after day is shaken, and 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 maybe it's a simple fix, maybe it's not. But if if it's shaken and it doesn't work anymore, or it doesn't seem to be working in the moment. What do I do?" I may, be, I may be way off base on this, but I think there has been, through this time in our world, a great shaking of a lot of the things that we typically thought were just going to be set, and that's how it was going to be, day in, day out, Sunday in, Sunday out, that that, that some things would all, would change, and certainly we we realize that, you know, as they say, the only thing that stays the same is everything changes. Um but we've had things shaken in our world and in our lives that I think a lot of us would have said, "Nah, that'll never happen. That'll never happen." What do we What do we do? Here's where Here's where I think I, I think we're alike. At least maybe 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 it's an age thing. When that comes along, I, I, I tend to do this. What can I go back to that I'm sure of? What can I What can I draw back and say, well, this I know is safe ground. This I I know is unshakable. This doesn't move. This, come whatever may, through the storms of life, through everything that may come my way, this is foundational. It's faithful. What I I find myself doing a lot in life is I venture out into the world and, and, and pursue what I believe God is calling me to. A lot of different avenues of life, a lot of different ways things flow. And if and if something begins to be shaky, or I'm not sure about that, I tend to say, "Well, let me let me withdraw just a bit to where I know it's safe ground." This is this is basic uh, life in a sense. You know, if you uh, uh, as a kid, there was a, a, a pasture that we would go out through and play. Me and one of my best friends, we'd ride our bikes out through, and there was a gully that ran through that pasture, pretty deep in places. But it was just—it had just been cut through where the water would come down off the, off the hills out of the valley, and come down and flow through. And it was it was nice, lush grass on either side. But this ravine, or whatever you want to call it, ditch—that's what we call it. This ditch was just, was just cut right through there. Uh, and there wasn't any riprap or rock on either side of it. It was had just been left to do what it does out there, meandering through the fields. And what we discovered and turned into a game until the farmer caught us. Um, and then we waited and came back and did it again later. But it, no, it was. Uh, we, we discovered that along the banks of that ditch, where the water had washed the ground underneath it out, if you got close enough to the edge, you could push off these big chunks of that, that dirt. You get, are you getting the visual? Are you following me here? You, you got But you had to be very careful. Because if you went too far, guess what also went in the ditch? You did too. You you went right with it. So the trick, the, the game was to see who could get the biggest area of ground or whatever the dirt or whatever in the ground to fall away, but you not go in it. You went in it, you lost. And and we were such good friends that usually if one went in, the other one just bailed and left. You know, do your best, get out. If you if you make it, we'll play again tomorrow. You know, I'm not getting caught with you. That's good friends, right? I mean, that's how you there for one another that way. A lesson we learned, though, was that, that and, and, and here's the interesting thing, the ground looked the same right on the edge as it did right back here. It looked the same. And once you got out there, you had to feel and know that there's nothing underneath that. I get a little push on that, it's going to fall away. Safety, in that case, was back where we knew the ground was secure for us. The people of God have always gone through something similar. God has always led his people into new lands, new territory, new places. And they have had to go on a journey of discovering where's the safe ground? Where are the enemies? Where's the hollow places? Can't stand there. You're going to go in the ditch. Where's the safe places? Where's the strongholds? Where are the, where, where, where should the walls be built? Where are the walls broken down? There's, there's all kinds of symbolism throughout especially the Old Testament of God's people taking this journey. In Isaiah, there's so much of this. And in the 35th chapter, the prophet is declaring so much, but he, he, he speaks about the people of God, God's called people. There is a way for them. There is a prepared way for them. He refers to it this way, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8. A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be over before others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. The prophet Jeremiah, feeling somewhat similar uh, to Isaiah, in, in a similar passage in, a, in Jeremiah chapter 6, is declaring all kinds of difficult things for the people of God. Uh, you know, Jeremiah is not a writer for Hallmark. He, he would never have been employed to write cards for Hallmark. Uh, he, he has a lot of, this is what the Lord says, and it's less than anything but a lot of times. Here's what he says in Jeremiah chapter 6. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations, you who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. Here, you earth, I am bringing disaster on this people. The fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. What do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will put obstacles before this people. Parents and children alike will stumble over them. Neighbors and friends will perish. Doesn't that just raise your spirit? What's he talking about here? Seek the old path, the the ancient path. Stand at the crossroads. Anybody feel like we're standing at a crossroads? Well, I sure do. Without a doubt in my lifetime, but maybe in in, in as much recorded history as you can look through, if ever our world has been standing at a crossroads, we're there. We are there. Jeremiah says, here's what you need to do. Look, observe, get a good view of everything that's happening, and ask for the ancient past, past. Ask where the good way is, and walk in it. And when you do, you will find rest for your souls. It, it was a small thing, but one of the one of the lessons that my best friend and I learned. Not even wanting to learn a lesson. Not even remotely thinking about, boy, we're getting a good life lesson out of this crazy game of push the dirt into the ditch. But we did learn something we learned something very crucial. When we were standing on that ground, we had to be very sensitive, testing it. Is it safe? Is it? Is it going to hold me up? Is it there? It, because you couldn't tell the difference, you see, in what it looked like. But you did have an opportunity Before you went too far, before you plunged in, you had an opportunity to say, look, observe, the ancient path is don't get so close that you fall in the ditch. We learned to be sensitive to the circumstances in our life. One of the things I've I've tried to relay to our our teens in in a a bit of a different way down through, through the years that we've been here is this. There are many, many, many voices and influences People speaking. And boy, aren't there a lot of commentaries today? <laughs> every angle, every slant, every direction, every opinion, every thought. There's a voice. There's 10,000 voices out there for all of it. What's the objective? What's the purpose that we must pursue? Out of all the voices, I love it, it was coined in a lyric in a song. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Bible says to test the spirits. Don't don't just simply go through life moving with every wind and wave that comes. Know what you believe. Observe. Look. See what is going on, and seek the ancient paths. There is a good way, unless we think that uh, that this is something foreign to the people of God, or that I'm I'm kind of out of my mind. I want you to I want you to listen to some things that. Some ancient Christians have said this is a Christostom, he lived from about three hundred and forty seven AD to four hundred seven AD. He said, I am a Christian. He who answers thus has declared everything at once. His country, prof- profession, family, the believer belongs to no city on earth but to the heavenly Jerusalem. You see, he had he had he had discovered St. John Christosom had discovered that he was a resident of the kingdom of God. He was a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so the worst thing he could do was, was get his vision down to a place where it was simply on the winds and waves that were blowing across the landscape at any given time in history. He saw a greater vision. He lifted up his eyes and saw that there was more taking place. Aristides, uh, around 137 A.D., said, It is the Christian, O emperor, who has sought and found the truth, for they acknowledge God. They show love to their neighbors. They do not do to another as, as they would wish, not done to themselves. They speak gently to those who oppress them, and in this way they make them their friends. It has become their passion to do good to their enemies. This, O oh Emperor, is the, is the rule of life of the Christians, and this is their manner of life. It does concern me what our reactions have been over the last seven months. Uh, the commentary against the people called Christians uh, is less than spectacular. There have been moments where we have risen to the occasion over the last six, seven months, and we have shown great capacity for love and compassion and support and encouragement, doing those things that we believe Jesus would do if we were here. And yes, speaking the truth in love is part of that. But there have also been many other occasions where we've fallen short of what God would call us to. We've allowed all kinds of things to creep in. Political motivations, Fear, anxiety, uh, our own personal needs, protecting my kingdom, my little world. We've, we 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 we've fallen back in some ways that we need to fall on our faces this morning and say, "Oh God, we repent." That this has pushed us and tested us. You might remember revival a few years back. Dr. Deal gave the illustration of that. We're all sponges. And whatever we're filled with, when life squeezes us, that's what comes out. You want to know who a person really is, you want to test their character, you put them through a hard, tough situation where things aren't normal, where things aren't easy, where things aren't predictable. That's when you'll find their real character. When they're squeezed, whatever comes out, the proof is in the pudding, as they say that's what really is there. Well, you have some blanks there in your bulletin and I don't want to leave you hanging on those, so I want to get to those real quickly. What, what is this highway of holiness that Isaiah talked about? There will be a He said there will be a highway there, there will be a road it shall be called the highway of holiness. I grew up with this term just it was part of the vernacular there will be a highway there, and we even would sing about it. It's a highway to heaven. None can walk up there but the pure in heart. This highway of holiness, what is it? Well, first of all, it's an appointed way. You have a blank there in your bulletin if you want to fill it out. It is an appointed way. First Peter 1 says, Be ye holy. Verse 15 and 16, But as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all of your conduct, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Why should we be on a highway of holiness? Why is it appointed to us? Because God Himself has declared, I am holy, be like me. Be holy. Be holy. God has called us to holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7 says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness, you see, God seeks what every every man who loves God and is seeking a bride desires—a bride that is pure, a bride that is righteous, a bride that 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 loves God, not a bride that has gone out and prostituted herself to to the whole world and just said, "I'll I'll just go with the world in whatever way they go." That's not what. Uh, we want on this earth, and that's not what God wants. He wants a church, a bride, that has said, as for us, we will serve the Lord. As for us, we will pursue the way of holiness. It's an appointed way. The Greek word for holiness is hagiasmos. It means sanctified. It's where we get the term of sanctification. Set apart. Uh, there's no getting around this. From the youngest in here to to the oldest, and we as Nazarenes have had a peculiar understanding about this for over a hundred years. The people of God walking in holiness look odd to the world. You ought to stand out. You ought to stand out. Before somebody ever has to come up and ask you, are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Before they ever have to come up and, and, and interrogate you on it and quiz you on it and see if you'll even acknowledge it, through through, uh, sworn testimony, before they ever have to do that. They ought to have already seen for a long time. They absolutely are. I can see it in the way they live. I can see it in the things they choose to do and the things they choose not to do. They know, and and here's why they do that. They don't do that because there's just a list of do's and don'ts and they want to check off the list of do's and don'ts. They do this because they have discovered that they are created in the image of Almighty God, a holy God. And they desire to be holy. And because they desire to be holy, they are pursuing Him in the things they choose to do and the things they choose not to do in their lives. They're making strategic decisions along life's road to live the holy life. And that does not look like the rest of the world. Amen? It is an appointed way. The argument here is that for a Christian to fall short of a life of holiness is for that person to deny the divine purpose of God in saving them in the first place. Yes, God saves us from our sins so that we don't spend eternity in a devil's hell. But He also saves us so that we might be set apart and used for His holy purpose. That we might be this holy people. It is an appointed Way. It's also a way within a way. A way within a way. Look at verse 8 here of, of chapter 35. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. It is a way, it is a road within the road of life. And not everybody travels it. Worldly eyes, we're told, cannot find it. The way is found through us pursuing a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, desiring to please Him, desiring to to follow Him and to be like Him in this life. That's what puts us on the highway of holiness. It's what keeps us on the highway of holiness. It's what causes us when we're going down the road of life and there's an option to turn right or to turn left, it's what causes us to stop and say, wait a minute, I don't think that's a good option. I don't know that that's the right way to go. I'm at least going to do like Jeremiah says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look and ask, is this a good way? Is this the way to go? Is this a... Is this the best way to go? When uh, when I asked Fred to go with me the other day to call on Rick, he he's uh, up outside of Camp Point. That's territory I'm not in a lot, I'm not familiar with a lot of the, uh, the roads up there a lot. And and so uh, I told Fred, i like, you know, I got the GPS. I'm gonna I mean, that'll. But but Fred knew a better way to go. And I believe I can trust Fred, Fred at least to some degree. And so uh, you know I. Didn't seem like on that particular day he had any mind of leading me astray, so uh, so I trusted him, and we got there. We found it, you know, and and and, and interestingly enough, both things worked together. Fred's direction as, as as best route to take to that general area, and then the GPS to show us pretty close to where the house was at, and we found it. Now the other alternative would have been for me to say, I can just wander out here all over northern Pike County, and where Adam. I don't even know what county where we in. Still in Pike County, I think. Adams, whatever we were at. Uh, I could have just spent the time wandering the countryside there, and kept knocking on doors till I, till I found the right house. But I think there was some wisdom in saying, "There's somebody that knows these roads a little better than I do. I'm going to ask them, Show me a good way. Show me a good way. It's a, it's a way within a way, and we need help along. It's one of the reasons why we should have church and, ha- and be a part of a congregation so that you have a body of believers that for all the different occasions of life, you can go through the Rolodex of your mind of, let's see, who among my church family has experience here, has a background there? I could call on them, and they could lend me a hand with this. They could give me some advice here. They could point me in, in the right direction here. That's a great asset, a great benefit of being a part of the body of Christ. But it is, it is a way within a way. It's also a plain and simple way. Number three there, a plain and simple way. Fools shall not err therein or go astray. Boy, I'm glad. There's some verses in the Bible that are specifically for me. Fools, one translation says, shall not err therein. In other words, you don't have to be a theologian to find the way. You do have to have a heart that desires to please the Lord a heart that chases after God, a heart that longs to honor God with your life. But when you do, He has made the commitment to you and I that He'll show us the way and He'll lead us along the way. And though we may be foolish about some things, can you look back on your life and find at least one time where you know you can say, thank you, Lord, I I, I was really about ready to destroy that. I mean, if, if you hadn't intervened, my goodness, but even in my foolishness in my naivete whatever it might be in my ignorance you in your prevenient grace and love and mercy and i can look back and say there was jesus right there right there in that moment when i when i could have just destroyed it all there he was praise the lord it's a it's a plain and a simple way it's not hard it simply takes us longing To seek the Lord. Number four, it's a safe way. It's a safe way. Verse 9 says, No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go upon it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. It is a safe way. What's a lion? Often in in Scripture, uh, the lion, it's a depiction of, of Satan even he, he, of how he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, often cowering in the bushes waiting for you to slip up waiting for you to have a vulnerable moment. It's why as, as a pastor long ago I was I was trained I was encouraged to to not only guard all of the flock but to look out especially for those who are in difficult places and hard times Why? Because we're all particularly vulnerable when we're in a hard place, when we're sick, when uh, when when something's happened with the finances, something's happened at work, something's happened at school, something in our relationships, when something negative has come into our lives, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable in how we'll react in those times. And we need someone or many someones in our life saying, be encouraged. You'll get through this and we'll get through this together. What a message for today, right? Be encouraged. We will get through this. The people of God have persevered through thousands of years, through despots and tyrants and wars and crusades and and all kinds of things that have happened down through history. Pandemics, more than we can even number. We will get through this as a people. It's also a clean way, number five. It's a clean way. Why? Because this is the very nature of holiness. It purifies. And it ought to purify our conversations. It ought to purify our thought life. It ought to purify the words that come out of our mouth. Is, it, is this helpful? Is this loving? Is this kind? Is this gracious? Is this merciful? If it's not, then nobody's got, got their thumb in my back forcing me to say something. I loved when we were down at the Holiness Camp, camp meeting this uh, uh, earlier in the year, uh, one of the messages that uh, Brother Lane Lohman preached, he was talking about living the holy life. And there were several things that he gave out about characteristics of living the holy life. But one of them was this, and I think if ever there was a day we need to hear it, it's today. day. And it, 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 I think this is exactly how he said it. You don't have to have an opinion about everything. Probably more specifically, you don't have to share your opinion about everything. It's one of the great dangers of social media, right? Everybody's got a microphone. Everybody's got a platform. Everybody's got a way to judge. When I throw my opinion out there, how many people see it, how many people like it, how many people comment, how many people heart it, and all the different symbols. It's a ready-made vehicle for you and I to constantly have an audience and to constantly be judging. What's the response? It can be a noble good thing, a way for us to connect, a way for us to share prayer needs, a way for us to be aware of what's going on in the lives of one another with the purpose of praying and helping, calling on, and it can be a noble thing. But it's like, as my dad used to teach me and my brother long ago, it's like a loaded gun. It can either put food on the table or it can kill someone. It's all the manner of how it's used. And we've seen both, haven't we? We've seen people greatly blessed through these means of communication. We've seen people whose lives have been utterly destroyed. God help us to be a holy people. How do we live a holy life in a world of technological advances like none of us ever dreamed? We need to keep seeking the Spirit. We need to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to keep asking the question every day. God, is. is would it please you for me to comment on that? Would it please you for me to contribute to this conversation? Would, uh, is there something helpful that, that I need to interject here, or, or is it better that I just leave it alone? And I think a lot of the time God would say, leave it alone. I'm just I'm just throwing that one out there for you for free. But I think a lot of the times the advice would be, just, just let it be. I'm, I'm on the scene. I'm in control. I'll take care of this. Thanks for asking me first. It's a clean way. The way of holiness seeks a people who will pursue a holy life, a life purified in conversation, a life purified in the very thoughts that we have. Paul said "We, we are a people who take every thought captive. Why? Because thoughts lead to action and lead to words. You cut it off at the root, it doesn't grow into something that overtakes us and overtakes those around us. Number six, it's a joyful way. This highway of holiness, this this way laid out for the people of God is a joyful way. In the little town that I grew up in in Monticello, Kentucky, the people of, called Nazarenes in that town were known for a lot of things. But one of them was, if you want to go have a good time in worship, you go hang out with those Nazarenes. They know how to get happy. They, I mean, And some who didn't, who didn't know the church lingo, would say, those people have a party every Sunday. And wondered what we were partying about. But but what were they talking about? They were talking about a people who, though they were facing every manner of struggle and hardship and trial, just like the world around them, things were coming against them all the time. They had found a joy in the Lord. And they were choosing to rejoice in the Lord in spite of it all it was a it was a hallelujah anyhow kind of attitude that pervaded the congregation so so Sundays were the gathering time for them to just simply rejoice over what God had already been doing in their lives together as a holy people they were a singing people they were a people filled with joy and the churches grew in number primarily because of that Because people out in the world who were lost and broken and hurting and undone were observing and saying, those folks have a joy about them when there shouldn't be a joy. Those folks have a smile on their face when they ought not to be smiling. And it drew people in to say, what is it that causes a people to be filled with joy when all around them seems to be heartache and struggle and trial? What is it? That was their greatest evangelistic tool. That was their greatest form of outreach. Not a a program that had been organized and set up and established by, by the church body. But each and every individual going out into their community and shining with the light of the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers, their relatives looked at them and said whatever they have I want it. And and and, and and here's the best part about it. You didn't even have to be trained and good at sharing the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or, what, because, uh, or initiating those conversations like so many of us are fearful about doing. The, folks would just come right up to you. I've had, I've had folks at the hospital, uh, nurses and doctors especially, uh, go into a room and, and pray with somebody and something that's said sparks an interest in them and I'm out in the hallway and here they are saying, you said something when you prayed, and I want to, and, and, and it's immediately an open door. The Lord is just—I didn't—I I didn't try to say, "Hey, you know, you all come over here, and and let me get my pamphlet out. I've got these instructions, and here's the rules, and here's what. Okay, step one." It didn't have to do that. Didn't have to work up the nerve to say, "Oh God, let me, let me somehow get up enough nerve to say something to that person." They saw something. They began, became hungry. They became inquisitive. They wanted to know. All I needed to do was be ready to give an answer. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that was in me, for the joy that could be found even in the midst of some of the darkest situations. It's a joyful way. If if you don't sense a joy in your heart from knowing the Lord and from walking with Him, seek Him today about that. Don't let the sun go down tonight without you connecting with the Lord and saying, restore the joy in me. Fill me with your Spirit once again so that I will be a person who declares the joy of the Lord, not just from a pulpit or preaching somewhere, but, but in the, in my actions, in my behavior, in my words toward others, that people will see that in me and be hungry and want to know you. It ought to be a joyful way. The last one there, it's an obtainable way. There's a a word we don't often use. It's an obtainable way. You can get on this way. You can get on the highway of holiness. Look at verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy. And gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Praise the Lord. This is what God this is the reality that God wants us to live into as a holy people. I'm convinced of that as much as I ever have been. Though this has been as hard a season for me as, as any of the rest of you in this life and this journey, I have found God faithful over and over again. Though the challenges have come, though the hard places have come, I have found him so true. To verse 10 The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Seeking the old path, lots of different ways to seek paths in our world, GPS, radar, watching the stars, a dog's nose following a path, lots of different ways, lots of different angles and ways, how do you pursue the holy path, how do you discover the holy path, this highway of holiness and get on it, it couldn't be any simpler. But it may also be one of the most challenging things you do in your life. Why? Because here's the the most crucial ingredient. Full surrender. Full surrender. To me, this is this is what I've observed as the biggest difference maker in people down through the years. Especially those who name the name of Christ. The biggest difference maker has always been this. Are you fully surrendered? Or are you still holding on to some things? Your way, your methods, your choices, your decisions. Is it it some of God and a whole lot of you? Or are you fully surrendered? Say, Lord, well, we would sing about it, right? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. You know what the last thing the potter expects the clay to do? To push back. The last thing the potter ever expects the clay to do is to say, nope, can't move me that way. I'm going this way. Nope, can't shape me like that. I'm going over here. Nope, don't want you to touch there. Don't want you to move that. Don't want you to shape that that way. I'm going over here. That's the last thing the potter ever expects the clay to do. The potter expects the clay to be fully surrendered, fully moldable and shapeable in his hands. To say, Lord, whatever you show me through your word, Whatever you show me in prayer, however you move me through your Spirit, I will do it. I will go. I will be obedient. I will be fully surrendered to you. Like for the worship team, uh, many of them that are planning to come back up if they move this way this morning. There's a lot of things that we could say to wrap this up. What are the results? of a holy life. Well, we saw it there. Sorrow and sighing flee away. In Isaiah 51, verse 11, we read these words. The redeemed of the Lord will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They all sound familiar. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. Isaiah believed it so much, he wrote it down more than once. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. I don't know about you, but I want to be on a path that is marked out for me by the Lord. I want to be on a path that is plain and simple. You can sit, you can follow it. He'll show it to you. I want to be on a path that is clean. I've been out in the brush. I've wandered through the woods and hit the briar patches and stuff, and I don't like it one bit. i much rather prefer a path that's open and clear. I want to be on that path. And I want to be on a way that fills my heart and my life with joy. And I'm just convinced that you do too this morning. So let's stand together this morning and as we're led in in singing. And I know you've got a couple more blanks there. I'll give them to you before we go. But please hear me this morning. God has a path marked out for us in this life, and especially in this season. He calls it the highway of holiness. We as Nazarenes have been on on it for a long time. We've been talking about it. Maybe we don't talk about it as much as we should. But it's laid out there for you. Every person in this room, you get to make a choice day in and day out. Are you going to get on the highway of holiness that God has ordained for you and for me as His people. Or are we going to continue to wander off down every little path that presents itself, down every little trail and and road that we don't even know where some of them lead. Even worse, sometimes we go down them not even caring where they lead. God help us to stay on the road that He has marked out for us. And if you've not been following that road, if you've not been following that path, if you've just been kind of moving along with the emotions and the culture and the talking heads and the winds and waves of this world right now, you can stop. That seems exhausting to me. It seems so exhausting to me. I, I can't do that. So I want to encourage you this morning. There's a highway called the Highway of Holiness, and you can get on it today. It's a prayer way for you to ask the Lord, and He'll do it for you. Let's sing together
1: before we close We're going to switch gears. We were going to sing a different song, but actually last night I felt this song and he mentioned it in the sermon. So we're going to mm-hmm. sing Have Thine Own Way, Lord. We're just going to sing it a cappella. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Yeah. Have, thine own way, Lord. Yeah. Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the I am the grave, mould me and make me after thy
0: ahead. We get to choose. It's the liberty and the freedom that God has placed upon us and and even greater the liberty and the freedom we have in this country of ours. But there's only one way. Jesus put it this way, enter in through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that few that find it. And finally this, the vehicle that transports us along the highway of holiness, I've already said it once, is full surrender. Full surrender. Friends, You it, until we are ready to say, Lord, have all of me, have absolutely all of me, the struggle and the fight will continue. We will continue to war within ourselves when we can say, Lord, have all of me, have all that I ever possessed, family, possessions, things, have it all. It's, it's all yours. I lay it all at your feet, knowing that that may mean all kinds of things. But I lay it at your feet until we're at that place of full surrender. We'll continue to battle and continue to go through the hardships and places that, that God really doesn't want us to go down and to be a part of. He has a highway of holiness. Are there still going to be trials? Are there still going to be enemies? Absolutely. But we'll be on a way that we can constantly be confident in. This is the way home. This is the way home. Even though there's struggles, even though there's trials, this is the way home. This is the way. We're on the right path. Just trust it. Just keep going. Let's sing it one more time. And if you mean it, if this really is your prayer this morning, Sing it out to him. Let it be the anthem of your heart today. Have thine own way. Because when we do that, it is limitless what God can do mm-hmm. among us. It is absolutely limitless what he can do. Let's sing it one more time.
1: Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the I am the clay. Mold me and make me after Thy image.
0: Had good fellowship this morning. It's been sweet to be in his presence. He's met with us. I've sensed it in my heart. I hope you have as well. I pray that we'll go from this place believing that he wants to continue the service, continue the fellowship. And I do want to remind you, please take the conversation. We move all the way outside. That'll help us this morning. If you're a Sunday school teacher, small group. Uh, leader, please go on over to the family center and pick up uh, your lunch or lunches, whatever the case may be, before you leave the de- today, Sarah and others that have been preparing those, uh, getting them ready, Pastor Alicia and David, so many. Uh, we're a, We're a part of the family of God, and I'm grateful that we can have these times together. Father, we've needed the communion with you. We've needed to draw up close to your great heart. To hear you speak and remind us of who we are that you are our heavenly father that you see us you know us you want to dwell with us and you have a way through this life for us to travel i pray that you'd help us as a holy people to ever be on that highway of holiness and that when we see one drifting from the way that we would gently and lovingly be there for one another to restore one another. and to to help each other along the way, encouraging each other through these days. Lord, we thank You that every prayer that has been prayed has been heard by You. We've filled the bowl a little fuller this week through our prayers. You will be faithful to all You have declared to us as Your people. We love You. We give You praise for it all. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today.
1: Thank mm-hmm.